This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome back to The View from the Gladys Street podcast on the Royal Blue, Acast and iTunes channel. This is the fan podcast and I have two very happy Everton fans on this week's show. Beaming, gleaming and grinning from ear to ear, we have Tom Clark and Ben Crawford. How are you both? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah. You're right. yeah, I'm good, thanks, Tom. And Ben, thank you. I'm Ian Kroll, and I'll be your host, and we've got plenty to get through on this week's show. The Waffle comeback, Richarlison's future, and Everton's lack of activity in the January transfer window, all on this week's podcast. Plus, as always, I will ask the important questions. Did Moise Keane knowingly assist Theo Walkoff for the winner on Saturday, or did he get lucky? We will get into that later on, lads. Don't you worry about that. Um it was a dramatic late comeback to earn all three points against Watford, wasn't it, lads, on Saturday? Everton's first win from a losing position in the Premier League in 776 days. Um, the last time that happened, Everton coming back from uh, a goal down was against Swansea at Goodison Park in 2017. Ben, we'll start with you first. What did you make of it all? <laughs> uh, for not a very good performance, it was a great ending. You know, I mean, I think we were all a bit shell-shocked when we went 2-0 down. It wasn't really against the runner play, but I don't think either team did enough to be 2-0 up at that point. And you just thought, here's Everton again, doing the usual away from home. Um, Got to say, we I think we were fortunate to get the first goal and then the second, just poor defending. Quite uncharacteristic of an Nigel Pearson team, it has to be said. But then we get our sort of lucky break. And for me... I, Considering we won the game, I don't think we actually grabbed hold of the second half as much as maybe Ancelotti alluded to after the game. He said he was happy with the second half performance. Didn't really see many chances created at all. And obviously, when Fabian Delft got sent off, that was sort of... I felt like that was sort of more of an excuse for us to play for the draw and hit them on the break. Whereas before that, I don't think we quite knew what we were doing because we weren't creating and we weren't trying to hit them on the break. So really, at the end of the, at the, end of the game... If it had finished two all, it probably wouldn't have been that bad a result considering that Fabian Delft got sent off. But I mean, that goal at the end, that's what those moments are what football's for, aren't they? You know, I mean, I was sat in my kitchen watching it on some dodgy stream on my iPad. The iPad nearly went flying across the room when that went in because I just didn't see it coming. Even when Richarlison's running through with the ball and left, you're like, he's going to go down, he's going to sign with a free kick and hold the game up and that. And just kept going and going. And of course, Moise Keane with brilliant assist, of course he meant it. You know, that's what Juventus teaches you, isn't it? And then Theo Walcott with a predatory-like finish, <laughs> which I'm convinced I thought he was going to miss, to be fair. I thought Foster was going to save it, but hey I mean, it was it's good, isn't it? practically an open goal, wasn't it? The goalie nearly got back to it. I was, I was literally, it was like it was in slow motion. And I was like, anybody else in the world for it not to fall to? And then Theo Walcott runs to. Don't be wrong, he hits it hard enough, but it... He gives Ben Foster a chance to get back on the line, I thought. He misses this. And then after all that, because obviously the pace of the counter-attack, I was just 100% like, it's defo offside there. Well, he's defo running offside. It's going to get VAR, but it's nowhere near it. And those kind of games, you just got to enjoy it, haven't you? Especially when you've got Carlo sat there as if butter wouldn't melt on the sidelines. Like, nothing's happened. <laughs> I mean, Tom Everton don't do comebacks. They don't, they don't do last-minute winners, do they? So, like... How, how did that make you feel like Saturday night after we'd done that really? I know the performance wasn't great. You want a better you want a better performance from that, but you know, just coming out and, you know, getting the win. 
Yeah, it felt so much better because it hasn't happened for so long. Obviously, we haven't come back since, what, 2017, did yeah, you say? Yeah, 2017, Swansea, 3-1 we won. We went 1-0 down. <laughs> yeah. I can't really remember that game, <laughs> to be honest. Either. But, um, yeah, it, show, it, it shows a few things. It's improved um, over over time. I think game management under Marco Silva was probably part of that. Um, typical Everton look as well, but it, it's it's about time that looks swung around because we haven't had that for a while. I think... Um, that's probably why the celebrations were so intense because we haven't had that for so long and all of a sudden it comes along and um, as you say and then the counter-attack I saw the three players on the counter-attack were um, Richarlison, Moise Keane and Walcott and um, I was I was kind of thinking I, ho- I hope Richarlison and Moise Keane keep this between themselves <laughs> oh, it doesn't go near Walcott. Walcott yeah that's when it, when, it, when it went to him I was like oh He's not Jesus. even in the picture, is he, on the no. screen when you can see it he's just <laughs> no, like and it's a, it's a big wide you know open pitch yeah. and even when we're on the 18 yard line like the penalty area, he's still not there. Just <laughs> gets there just in time. Yeah, it's a good run. To be fair, he ran up like a fair way to get there. Good um, effort, eighty ninth minute, darling. Yeah. You know what mm, I mean? To be fair to yeah, to be fair to him, as as much as he does get slated, um, he does put the effort in. As you as we were saying before about um, <laughs> Ben's debate with him, um, Rob, last time on the podcast. Um, no, he does put the effort in. He's a he's a professional. Um, not that he's a excellent professional, but he is a professional, and he um, he did put the effort in. It was a it was a great run and much deserved to be fair. He's still, he's still pretty crap, don't he? Like <laughs> yeah, we we like, I've always asked, we've alluded to, asked you, but he is below par. Let's just say it politely. <laughs> let's let's give him a break this podcast day, shall we? He's took a lot. He's took the brunt of a lot of. Oh, it, I love yeah. him this week. It's just as soon as it, like we all love him. There's proper loving at the moment with Walcott with the fans and everything. Half an hour into the Palace game, if it's nil nil, it'd be like get him off. <laughs> well, it's interesting Walcott because. I've always said, I agree with you. I don't think he's been up to scratch. I don't think he's been good enough. But do we really play to his strengths as a, as a you know speedy speedy winger? Now, I don't know if you watched Angelotti's press conference before the Watford game. One line that stuck out from me was the fact that he said, "The best way to score is by counter attack." Yeah. Now, I think this team, this current crop of players, are more geared to a counter attacking style. But we don't seem to play that way. Okay, we scored a goal. From that on on a, on Saturday, but it was mainly because we circumstance. Yeah, wasn't it? it was back to the wall. We were down to ten men. You know, okay, we had the players who could counter attack, but it just kind of it just happened. I don't know whether it was whether it was Angelotti's master plan. I mean, it might have been. I don't know. What what, what do you think? What what Ancelotti does the way he set this Everton team up, it's, it seems that he's quite clear in the way he wants to play. But I'm not saying he's stubborn with that comment. But it seems as though what he does is he likes to play with a four four two, and the fullbacks are there to provide the width and push on. The two, whatever you want to call them, wide midfielders, wingers, the players inside forwards. Mm-hmm. So that's why maybe we've seen Bernard look a lot more effective since Ancelotti's come in because he's encouraged to take the ball inside and create from the middle. I get you know with two strikers facing in front of him Walcott that's not his game we know that his game throughout his career has been to try and dribble knock the ball past the player and get across into the box or a shot because he plays on the outside of the defender because as you bring him inside onto his left foot you're really nullifying the threat that he poses so for me no he doesn't fit into that you're right Ian. I just think the, the problem is I think if he had anyone else in the squad who could play that role I think he would, but we've literally got no left-footed wingers at all because that's what he wants. In an ideal world, he wants a right-footer on the left and a left-footer on the right to cut inside, create space for the full-backs. And while we haven't got that, I suppose he's looking at Walcott uh, as a way of keeping, one, keeping Richarlison up top and two, providing a bit of work rate to help out the attacking full-back, which will be Sidibe. So, no, we're not playing to his strength, but like we've said about his 
his poor form and I think he's got to just be happy that he's in the team because I don't think he'd get in any of the teams we're aspiring to be at the moment, let's face it. So I think he is accommodating them and in the summer I think we'll be going for a left-footed, more creative forward, I think. We are the most bipolar club, aren't we, Tom, that you could ever you could ever meet. I mean, I'll be honest with you, when we went 2-0 down, I texted a mate and said, I'm done with football this season. I actually t- like said that <laughs> two minutes later, it's back to 2-2. 45 minutes later, we've won 3-2. We've got to now get some form of consistency, haven't we? Otherwise, it's just, you know, up, up and down, up and down. And you can't cope with that, like. Yeah, it's a weird one, though. Like, do we not change a winning side and stick with that same team. Um, obviously, Sigurdsson's come back in to some debate um, after a lot of fans weren't happy with him recently. Uh, Walcott on the right as well. Um, will we keep it like that? Does Walcott keep his place in the team? Um, because you don't want to change a winning side, but the performance wasn't really a massively winning performance. We, kind we didn't of, play well, did we? Exactly. So, like, do, would you stick with the same kind of thing that we just done? There? It, would, would it be wrong to bring in some changes? But... Um, it's a weird one. We do we do need to keep up consistency, but I, I don't think it, playing like we did on Saturday, we, we might not. So we, we, we probably will have to change things up a little bit. Hmm. I mean, my level of expectation following the Newcastle game, even though we only did do it, was just at an all-time low. I think I, I just I think I've said the highest we'll probably finish is eighth now. I haven't stopped looking at the table since the Wofford win, and I just think we're so close to fifth. Three points, is it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's gone to four now, Tottenham have won. Is it but it's still, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you might be right. But it's a difficult one because I've been tab- we, guilty of table watching as well. But we play all these teams above us as well. You know, we take these yeah. points. That's but, the, yeah, go no, no, I was just like, you know, we, we, we drew against Newcastle when we should have won. We've got a really good result there where we probably shouldn't have won. You know, we've we've got to see the real Everton against Crystal Palace coming up, haven't we? We have. And then... We've got difficult fixtures after that. I think we play United, Arsenal. After a winter break, yeah. That's it. I think the problem is, obviously, trying not to be the cynical Evertonian here, but it doesn't matter what the teams that we're facing are like in regards to like the Arsenals and Man United. We don't perform against us. Away from home, a home, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that we'll beat Man United. But the likes of Arsenal away and things like that doesn't seem to matter what team Arsenal have got out. We never go there and get a result. Maybe that'll change under, Anc- under Ancelotti. Well, they're not playing well, are they? But no, exactly. But the problem is, I think we just need to take game by game. We're looking too far ahead. We need to beat Palace and then we go to Arsenal. We need to get something from Arsenal. And I think, am I right? We've got Man United at home after that. You beat Man United, then you can take stock and look at it then because then you've got the likes of Liverpool coming up and that. But. It's nice to be looking up rather than down. I think is the overriding emotion and feeling for me. What What would you say is more important? Just like a bit of a mental question here, but winning like we did, like three two, we've come back. We didn't play well, and then you see the players jumping up. You can see like the bit of like camaraderie that the players and Angelotti built in uh, in a short time. So that level of win and that style of win. Or a win where you go and you'd be quite pro- professional about it and it's quite boring, you win 2-0, 3-1, something like that. Is the win that we've got now more of a, a stepping stone for us to push on for the top five? I think it's something we needed after the Newcastle uh, draw, after capitulating in that. We needed um, some sort of luck to come swing back on our side and it has. So now we can kick on and actually start putting in good performances to win games like um, even in that Newcastle game I thought that was the best we played all season like that was promising that was proper uh, this is the way Ancelotti wants to play um, as Ben was saying before with Bernard cutting in and um, running the game like that and uh, Moise Keane finding some form 
if we do play like that, we will start getting wins. I think uh, that was that was just unlucky. The Newcastle game, don't think we played as well against Watford, but we got the win. But uh, the luck swung around, and if we do start playing like we did against Newcastle, that's how we we'll start getting wins, even against the big teams. Momentum's important, isn't it, at the back end of the season? It is. It's it's hundred percent, and I agree with everything that Tom said there. To be fair, um, it's just nice to see wins at this stage after everything that happened, like last month with the Liverpool game and the City game, losing two games in a row like that. But I think we need to see a mix of both. We need to see good performances at home, but maybe and good sort of tactics being used so we have more green shoots to look to the future. But I think away from home, I'm happy to just take scrappy wins. To be honest, or points. Really. I'm not expecting us to win every away game, but we go to Arsenal. Get a scrappy point, but we'd be Palace United at home. That's, that's prog- it's progress, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Although we did say at the start of this that we can't be too agreeable. I want to see some debate and <laughs> arguments, you know what I mean, like last time. Anyway, <laughs> any complaints on the Delph red card? I just, it does me head in, to be honest. Proper <laughs> I'm just glad he's banned. Like, I, I just can't, I made it, we won a game and he's banned for a match. Can't we extend it? Can't we? Can't he just like you know go and put someone I mean, on the Clay way off? Pawson was awful, wasn't he? He was terrible. Yeah, it's just you don't go in for a challenge like that though if you've been booked, do you? I mean, he, he, this is somebody who's come from Manchester City on all these like Man City documentaries. He's supposed to be this leading proper professional. There's nothing professional about him, is there? You can see him debating doing it as well as he was about to do it. The, but, the, the yeah. second one, he probably he actually looks like he thought about yeah. it. After, yeah. yeah, I'll do this. Good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had time to think about it. The player was just on the line, just got, going really nowhere going anyway. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. And he was like, "Oh, should I do it? Should I? Shouldn't I?" And then he did it, and he, I think he knew he was going to get sent off. I um, still don't think it was a second. Well, it warranted at least a yellow card. Yeah, I think it's fairly wanted. And then obviously you're walking on a tightrope. Then, but I just thought the referee could have been a bit like. You know, the linesman stood right there, he's flagged. The linesman's got a better view. Whether the linesman said to the referee, Yeah, yeah it's probably you know, the case. that's a yellow that. Like, fair enough. But I mean Craig Porson was awful throughout the game. I just thought he was just so inconsistent with everything that he did. But Delphi's got a he's got a lot to do, hasn't he, at the minute to kind of redeem himself you know, for the Everton fans after what's happened over he the past couple of weeks. Over, yeah, he's, he hasn't won the fans over yet and he needs to do that. I, I, I've seen Massive flashes of quality of him when he just gets on the ball and kind of grabs hold of the games. And we haven't had someone like that for a while who, who's confident enough to just whip 40 yard balls around. And he is capable of doing that. And I've seen him do it. But then um, he can just do completely blow it at the same time. So if he can start grabbing hold of the games, he could be that Everton leader and the captain we need. And that's what he was signed to do. And it's it's frustrating because I've seen flashes of that. And then I've seen flashes of absolute dross as well, to be honest. So, like, it's kind of getting that consistency and winning the fans over because he hasn't got that at the moment. Mm. I mean, what um, Tom just said there, Ben, the biggest disappointing thing for me is is, is his attitude. And we, <coughs> I don't I don't expect a lot from Fabian Delph as a footballer on the pitch. It's as in creativity-wise. And, you know, I expect him to be solid and not to give the ball away and to, you know, be, be neat and tidy. A bit like probably Morgan Snyderland's done over, the, you know, since his Everton career. Like a Gareth Barry, though. That's what I want to like to be a Gareth Barry. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think Gareth Barry probably... I was I would expect Gareth Barry to offer a lot more than what Fabian Delph is. But what I mean is, we like Tom said, we brought him in to be a leader and his attitude. He's come from, you know... Manchester City, the Premier League champions, a title-winning team, who he's been there and done it to an extent, and he's coming in and doing stupid stuff like that on and off the pitch. You know, in reference to what he did, obviously in the social media, I won't go into that. Um, but now he's just done this, and okay, we won the game, but it could have cost us. It could have cost us points. 
I'm just, this is your first debate of uh, this evening. If you've heard mate on the podcast, I don't like him. Uh, when you said that you see flashes of brilliance, I haven't seen a lot out of him at all. I think there's two times this season when I thought he's actually played well. One was, it might have even been his first start at home to Wolves. I thought he did really well in that game, made a few good sort of tactical fouls to keep us ticking over when we were holding on at the end of the game. And when he came on against Newcastle away, he got hold of the game and started to pass the ball well in midfield. Other than that, He's done absolutely nothing for me, other than it seems to me as though all he's done is sort of bemoan the teammates he's got. Do you remember that video that went round? Uh, was it the Bournemouth game where he was supposedly telling all the players they were terrible? The like first, that. It, it, that's the, the polite way of putting it. And I felt like saying, well, everyone's. Yeah, <laughs> what, what rights he got to tell? I'm not being funny. I know you said they maybe expect more from a Gareth Barry, but I think they come from similar profiles. Both came from Aston Villa where they were good, good players. I think Delph yeah, was no, the captain there at one point yeah. as well. Gone to Man City, played reasonable amounts of football. He actually probably won more than Gareth Barry did in terms of titles. And then, he, but difference is Gareth Barry has come with a came with a professional head on, control games and worked hard. Fabian Delve, especially for someone who's been injured so much, he just doesn't seem to care at all. He just seems to be there to sort of be controversial. And I, I, honestly, I don't. I hope he's proved me wrong, but at the moment I just don't like anything about him. I can't wait for Gomez to come back so he's not in the team because. Although he's got a little bit of quality, he's not doing enough for me. I do expect him to sort of sit deep and create things a bit more and sort of even go box to box. Maybe, you know, he hasn't looked like scoring since he's been with us. And that's that's the main problem with Del for me. So I, I'm quite happy that he's not going to play on Saturday, to be honest. Are we being too harsh, Tom? I mean, Ben's just said two games that he's, he thinks he's played well in. You know, he's been injured a lot of the time. I thought he played well against Newcastle at home, to be honest. Him and Snardlin, solid. At the back, but then he goes and past the collapse it. as well. Though, he he was part of the collapse. Yeah. yeah, I agree. In fact, I blamed him. I did for the collapse. That's what I'm referring. Um, I know a lot of people blame Pickford, which is you know everyone's got entitled to their opinion. But are we being a bit harsh? I think that yeah, I'd say there's more than the, the two games. Like I, I, I have seen, literally, like he can pull off a pass, like probably as good as anyone in our squad. Uh, I think when, when he wants to, uh, when he's got the right attitude, he's. Bar's not very high in terms of midfield passing, <laughs> is it really? But this is what, <laughs> this Gomez, is what I meant <laughs> about, I think, I think you're totally right, as in Gareth Barry and Delph are very similar yeah. profile, but I just think Gareth Barry is a better player. Absolutely. So I, I didn't expect them to be reach the height of Gareth Barry. Yeah. I just wanted them to be smart, be a leader, a bit of know-how, you know, a winner. Gareth Barry was more relaxed and he kept his head much more, um, apart from the taxi incidents at West Brom. But um, apart from that... I still don't believe that was him. <laughs> no, boring football in the world. He obviously went to Wales when he left Everton. <laughs> yeah, as everyone does. But now um, I think Delph doesn't keep his head as much as Gareth Barry did. Um, he was much more reliable, Barry, than Delph is. Um, Delph has a mistake in him, whereas Barry um, often didn't. Um, I do think they're different types of player. Um, Delph can go forward a little bit more than Barry did. Um, so that's useful in a way, um, if if we're playing that way. Um, he, and he can get the, fo- get the ball forward a lot more, yeah. but he just isn't as consistent. And um, that's obviously what the team needs to get as well. But um, And if he does want to be that leader, he's got to be consistent himself. If if the prospective leader is consistent, that leads the team to be consistent as well. And that's the problem at the moment that he's not. Well, we'll see how uh, Delfs... Everton career progresses over the next couple of weeks anyway in the short term. Mm. Spiral down, do you think, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> Play crack, car crack. Well, it's whatever. only one ban, isn't it? One game ban. So he, Crystal Palace is out. As and soon as Andre Gomez is back, he shouldn't be anywhere near that team. 
Is Arsenal next after yeah. Palace? After, that, after the break, yeah. So Angelotti actually said Gomez could be back. Be on the bench, he? I think. Yeah. Won't he? It's incredible, hasn't it? Crazy. Crazy. Definitely got a metal ankle now, isn't he? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Um, plenty of debate anyway on the, the last point of the um, of the of the, the match that I want to talk about. Bit of fun. You've already kind of alluded to it both, but did Moise Keane intend to play Theo Walcott in or did he mess it up? You can have that one first, miss. <laughs> I've watched it quite a few times and it is, as you said before, it is inconclusive, but I, I honestly don't see why Moise Keane would pass to Theo Walcott at that point in time. Um, Maybe he's just got a, a superb <laughs> got football, football and brain. brain. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but if he had a superb football and brain, why would, Theo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And why, would he, why would he pass to Theo Walcott? That's a good shout, that. That's the thing, like, if if he had this brain and he sees Walcott next to him, he puts it in the back of the net himself. Um Obviously, a striker in not far out as well. You'd have to go, but um, I, I, I'm looking at his eyes when he's doing it, thinking, "What are you looking at here? What, like, where, where is this intended to go?" Um, and he is losing his balance while he while he's doing it. So that's why you Shouldn't can't. Hell of an angle yeah. for that, mate. I didn't see that angle. Yeah. I, I didn't see his eyes. Look like... into his eyes and <laughs> visualize <laughs> what he was doing with the ball. No, like not like pure zoomed in or anything. But I was just trying to <laughs> slow motion. Yeah, romantic it? music on the background. <laughs> yeah, he's when he was slipping over, just thinking yeah, that no. could be anything. That could have, that could have gone anywhere, and it did seem to just go perfectly off his foot to Walcott. Um, but I don't, I don't I don't know what he meant to do with it, but it worked either way. Doesn't matter, does it? It's just bare camp esque, that's all it was. <laughs> it's just absolute quality from a quality player. Come Listen, on, realistic. T- tell no, of course, what you he really course he didn't mean it. Of course he didn't was you past the Theo Walcott? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um No, he didn't mean it at all. He got lucky because it actually sort of blended it well a bit, didn't he? Made it look like it wasn't a complete fluke. But all the stats book says is in the last game and a half he's played, he's got a goal and an assist. So well done to the lad. I think, or I thought at the time, it was a mess. Like he didn't mean to do it. But the more I've watched it, I've thought he's actually meant that. Has he said anything? Has anyone like well, quizzed him on it? I know that's a good thing. Like I want someone to go and ask me about it. I don't think he spoke to any media. He's going to say he meant it, don't he? But he would come out and say, <laughs> yeah, of course I meant that. Of course he would. <laughs> on my left foot, you know, when we going away from goal, I defended on my back. I just thought, you know. Once Walcott he lives in English, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll ask him. He says hello, lad, and all that, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's good with that. The, the more I've watched it, I just think his left foot, it kind of, it turns more to the right, like he's actually passing the ball. I don't know, I, I just, at first I was like, no, he's definitely messed that up, because when he when he it went to Walcott, I was like, ah, like that. <laughs> and then, well, obviously, Walcott gets it in. I just thought it'd be, I mean, a lot of people were talking about it on Twitter, interesting debates, a lot of people go, of course he meant that, a lot of people go, of course he didn't, only one man will know, only. I'm just really impressed with the background work from both of these there, watching that replay (laughs) that, you know, Tom could see in his eyes, you could see (laughs) the movement of his left foot. No, well, man was was from behind, so I just, Mm -hmm. honest to God, his left left ankle slash foot, it just looks like he's passed it. Like he's passed it behind. Fair enough then. I've, I don't know. I haven't watched it that in depth, so I just thought it was a fluke that he made look like he was like falling with style in it. You know what I mean? Homework tonight is to go home and, yeah. and watch. Absolutely. I, I haven't had a chance to analyse the game yet. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> no, fair enough. I'll go with you to on that thing because I, I haven't seen that. I've only seen the normal match of the day. Well, Tom says he didn't mean, mean it. I said he did. <laughs> But I've gone back on my original. Well, point, I'm so sat right on the fence. It shows no, I'm, I can't have it. He didn't mean it, did he? <laughs> it shows I'm weak that I can't stick to my original uh, <laughs> original opinion. Okay, well, that'll be the last point on the um, the Wofford game. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
The View from the Gladys Street podcast. And we'll talk about a few other things before we, we finish off. Richarlison and his um, immediate future was obviously, you know, up for the bait in the transfer window. Just gone. Barcelona apparently put a, a, a bid in, which is, you know, has been denied by both Barcelona and Everton, um, which is the most important thing. But is it a cause for concern that something like that has come up that, you know, we know what certain media out, outlets are like. They like to just make things up. Um, but sometimes there isn't, um, what's the phrase? Smoke without fire or whatever it is. is that, have I got that right? No smoke without fire. Um, there's no, yeah, is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> we have to think I about that. This yeah. is what's done fire to me. Theo Walcott's gone done this to all of us. <laughs> We're done founded. It's been a long day for me anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, are we concerned? I don't believe it, to be honest. Yeah, like, I, I, I but think, I mean, in, I in think the summer, think teams will come in and pursue our best player? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's inevitable if they do. Like, it's kind of like the best players will get attention from bigger clubs. It's inevitable. Um, it'd be weird if they didn't come in for them. But there was a lot of debate on whether to take the bid or not. Everyone was saying everything is stupid to deny £85 million for Richarlison. But why would you sell your star player? Who's the who's the next best player in the squad after that? I can't, I, I can't really think at the moment. Dean, probably Luca Dean. If, and he's been poor this season. Like, Mason Holgate? <laughs> Mason Holgate, if he signs that new contract, probably our second <laughs> yeah. most valuable player. Yeah, both interesting ones. Like, he's going the Euros, him, tell yeah. me. <laughs> he's by far though, our most valuable player, um, Richarlison. So to sell your star man like that, and not know who to rely on after that would be a stupid move. Um, obviously, it's going to attract interest, but do we need money um, when there's rumours of all this Eastman off increasing, things like that? Like, So, no, for me, like, I just wouldn't even consider selling them, if, if, if it is true. What would you consider to be, you know, an acceptable bid for Richarlison, then? Um, well, what I think he's worth and what I think Everton should accept are two completely different things. I'd like to get that straight now before anyone listening goes like, oh, whatever. I think you look at not 100 million. Because, and that's not saying he's worth it. I'm not saying that. But, you know, Crystal Palace for 27-year-old Wilfred Sahar were holding us around for 80 million. Charleston's five years younger and he's Brazilian, which comes with a premium. We've got to remember that. He's Brazilian international. He actually plays for them as well. Yeah. And Richarlison is currently in the form of his life. Will to Hardens. So if you compare an apples with apples like that, that that's where the book stops for me. Barcelona want to come in and bid from they can bid from all they want. And don't get me wrong, Barcelona come in for the summer, hell for Leadville, he probably will end up going. But yeah, I wonder, you know, how much did Liverpool get for Coutinho? 150 million, something like that. Again, he was old as well. I think you're looking about 115 million, sort of stupid, 120 million, because that's what he's worth to Everton. It's not, it, football has changed a lot, I think, over the last 10 years, because big clubs can't just go in and cherry pick players anymore because it's not what a player's worth it's about what a player's worth to that club you're not telling me that Crystal Palace didn't value Wilfred Sahar probably 40 million 45 million but they knew that was probably the difference in about five league positions for them and unless we can get Marcel Ranso on earth a gem for us and be a direct replacement for a Charles and even if you get 120 million a bit like when we sold Lukaku you know we got all that money there's not a lot you can do with it because you can't replace them like for like because we can't attract a player that good so to Everton basically especially when he's just signed a new contract if they're coming in with bids then we're sitting at, you know we're sitting in a position of power and we can demand whatever the hell we want for him to be honest it's also probably worth mentioning as well we actually paid 50 million for Richarlison so absolutely although 85 million is an extraordinary <coughs> amount of money for one player not even if double. we were to, to sell it which I know we're not going to and there was no bid anyway but you know 25 
million profit. It's not a lot, is it really? It, it is, but in terms of the, the grand scale of things, it's it's not. We we would need to be, you know, like Ben said, you're looking at north of 100 million, so you can replace Richarlison. Not saying go and spend 100 million on one player after selling Richarlison, but you're going to have to look at bringing one or two players in, aren't you, on, on top of that, selling Richarlison as well? Yeah, probably. We couldn't just dip in the market for a 100 million player who's going to come to Everton at the moment. Um it's it's not gonna happen. Um and as well, I, re- I remember when we signed Richarlison for fifty million, everyone's saying, Oh my god, fifty million for a Charleston kind of thing. Um and now Mason. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> names. And there, there was plenty of them, there was loads all over the all over the media, but now um we're turning on those eighty five million that shows the development the players um how far the players come. Um and I don't think eighty five million is enough for them. And yeah, as Ben was saying, the the value to the team he's got at the moment is worth more than that. Um so we could, we could demand more than that, but he's not going anywhere. So we don't even need to, in my opinion, I don't need we need to think about it. How much he's worth because he's not going anywhere. Do you not think if Barcelona come back in from the summer, say like it seems that every summer Barcelona make that one target, that primary target, and they go for them until they get them. A bit like Griezmann last year. So no matter with all the hiccups and all that with the fee and all that, they ended up getting the man. Do you not think if they want him, they'll get him? Um, it's difficult enough. If we were Man City sitting here, yeah. and I don't know, you know, Barcelona wants a Bernardo Silva, that'd be difficult enough keeping hold of him. I don't think we've got a choice whether to keep hold of him or not. If they're going to pay, don't get me wrong. If they come in, and they start driving ninety million. That of course you won't go. But if Barcelona come in seriously and go, is hundred and twenty million or is hundred million and a player or eighty million and a couple of players, he will end up going. But it's nice for us to be in the position of power once where we are. It's on our terms, isn't it? It's on our terms, so. But yeah. do you not think? Do you not think? Do you not think he'd go? Well, everyone was saying as well. Obviously, a South American to um, Barcelona so is Barcelona, massive. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like the dream and uh, the ultimate dream. Definitely. So, like, 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 gay with PSG when he went, uh, that was the dream. And although we did value the player massively, he had to go because he really wanted to go. And I don't know if it'd be the same Richarlison because I do think he's properly, properly bought into the club. Um, he does love Everton. Um, but obviously Barcelona to any any football players is the exactly. ultimate the dream. Um, so I suppose in that respect, it'd be difficult to keep hold of them. Um, but I think we are in a much better position than, than we were a few years ago. So in they don't have to sell him, do we, for money? We don't exactly. need the money. It's yeah. just if he's going to go, we're going to do it on our terms and we're going to get a premium for him, yeah. which is only fair, really. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, I was just saying, shows how, how far we've come to be able to think of keep all, keeping hold of a player now for £85 million. We're, we're kind of going, no. Whereas a few years ago, if someone came in for anyone with £85 billion, it's straight he's off straight away. But now it shows how far we've come as, as a club and as a business, I suppose, that the fact that people are coming in with potentially £85 million and we're going, no, we're, we're, not, we're not selling. So uh, there is progress in a way, I think. I think it's inevitable, isn't it, that he's going to go eventually. I just think it's obviously when, you know, when depending on... Let's hopefully he's been successful with us at the time. I think Everton have definitely been stronger than the transfer window in definitely. terms of selling players over the past couple of years. You only have to look at um, Lukaku. You know he wasn't like really was trying to run his contract down, and Man United came in with an um, eighty-five million pound offer. They were desperate for a striker, and we ended up you know making a huge amount of money on him. Um, so I think you know the three that we've got. Strikers, Richarlison, Tom Carver Lewin and Keane, they just need time to develop together, don't they? Because, you know, they're all very, very young. We we, we kind of need to see this happen. And, you know, hopefully it's going to be over the next year or two. And then if Richarlison goes within the next two to three years, you'd say, fair enough, you know, 
hopefully he's won trophies with it. He's been successful, scored goals, selling them for 100 million. No, I know exactly what you're no. saying. <laughs> no, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Never. I, th- I think it's it's a simple, it's the simplest way is we want to keep hold of him. And I wouldn't be worried about any clubs coming in for him at all in the summer unless you're Barcelona or Real Madrid. No, not people. If this was Man United, you know, City, Chelsea, Courtenham, I wouldn't be too bothered because, yeah, we, you know, we could fight them off and tear it down. But this is Barcelona. This is a club for me who I've just seen, as well as Real Madrid. They want someone to get them. I can't remember the last time. I mean, do you remember Fabregas years ago? Arsenal kept saying no and eventually they just ended up selling them. You know, everyone they've gone for, Barcelona, Coutinho, it doesn't matter if they don't get them at first, they get them in that next transfer window and nobody, to my knowledge, has stopped them so far. So I think it'd be very difficult. So Barcelona are the only two clubs really that I'd be, I don't like being linked with the likes of Richarlison because, yeah, I don't think you can say no to them, but we have got a young core there up front and who knows maybe by the time Charleston does go in two or three years time when he's about 25 Moish Keane will become 22 23 then maybe that's what we're going to do sort of work them on the production line coming forward and then by then Ellis Sims is maybe the 19 year old hot shot on the bench kind of thing I just think at the moment the brand's model is to buy young and sell for profit maybe having Ancelotti there will give us a bit more scope to keep hold of the better players but as, you've got to think as well with all this financial fair play thing if we sell Richarlison hopefully we don't but say we sell Richarlison in 18 months time or whatever for about 100 million sort of wipes the sleep clean for FFP for like two years doesn't it so it enables Mashiri like it's, it doesn't work out somehow if we sold him for 100 million now we'd probably be able to spend 200 without and be FFP compliant I'm not so, sure on the ends and of it. That, that kind of motivation might be in it as well. We don't know, but I just worry because Barcelona, that's all. I think that's Brands', Brands model, though, from, from the, like the get-go, from yeah, the start. Definitely. I know we've bought players who were, you know, in their peak at this moment in time, but, you know, you have to look at the likes of Richarlison. Okay, 50 million was a lot of money, but quite clearly there's a sell-on value there. Moise Keane, 19, 26 million. Again, a lot of money, but, you know, there's signs now that, Okay, it's not not comes to fruition just yet, but there's a signs that he's going to be a very good player. So, I think that has always been the model of buying young, Definitely, developing, yeah. hopefully keeping old for a good number of years. Again, being successful, winning trophies, and then the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Real, um, Man United, and City, they come in because they've just got the money to do that. We know we haven't got the money to do that. I think that's I, I accept that as our, our model and. And the way we are going to move forward, unless you know Osmanov comes in and literally just gets us Messi up. and Ronaldo and just <laughs> goes for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we'll finish the podcast off on just the January transfer window. Obviously, very quiet really for a lot of the Premier League. Um, certainly for Everton and all a couple of loan signings gone out. Brands couldn't get rid of the likes of Martina and Nias. Nearly forgot his name then. Um, but. Is it an opportunity missed not going for anyone in the January transfer window? I know, again, just talked about it there, but financial fair play has obviously had a bearing in it, but was there anyone out there who tickles your fancy? Moise <laughs> <laughs> Keane, based on that comment before, about the look in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, just... Sorry, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Tom fancies Moise Keane, that'll be, that'll be a theme. Now, um, if he's got to win in the derby, I will make the <laughs> Now, um there was a few, there wasn't, to be honest, um, what the lads in the top of the news were saying, where there's um, 
that was one of the worst transfer windows he's seen. Um, there weren't even many names linked with Everton, no. never mind um, coming into Everton. Um, there was a, were a couple, um, Matthias Vecino, the midfielder from Inter Milan, but even that was... Two points at all, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> possibly. But um, even that, it's it kind of to cover time while we um, while we wait for Gomez and Gabamian to come back in, if he ever does. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, there weren't many really. Um, so I couldn't say there's any that uh, tickles me fancy or anything because there was there weren't enough names mentioned to possibly consider. Um, but I do think Carlo kind of said, um, well, maybe he meant he wanted to keep the squad he's got rather than unsettle it, start bringing in his own players, first chance, and unsettling the other ones. He kind of wants to work with what he's got for the rest of the season anyway and just see what he can do with this group of players and then know better what he wants, what he needs to improve because if he started um, kind of a month after he comes in, if if that, not even that, um, a few weeks after he comes in, he starts bringing his own players and leaving out other ones. It kind of unsettles the squad a little bit and I don't think he wants to do that. He's a, he's a manager who does like to keep his players settled and enjoying the football. So um, I think that did play a part in it, to be fair. So it was tactical in a way, not jumping straight into the market and maybe in the summer we might see a better market like we did last season I know we had a quiet January last season as well and properly went in in the summer so maybe that'll be the case again I mean Ben you you kind of suggested maybe we should have looked at the low market I know you know you, you put that question forward in one of our agenda podcast in the week but obviously it just depends who's there for loan you're not going to go for someone just for the sake of going for someone but do you think it's an opportunity missed what the January I think the reason that I was suggesting the loan market uh, so much was because of, well, like I've alluded to before, FFP compliance. You know, we were obviously on a bit of a tightrope. Obviously, we were compliant, but we obviously, it was quite obvious to me we weren't going to spend loads of money. But there were a couple of players there who I actually thought could have been worth a little bit of risk. I did a piece, obviously, uh, along with Tom, I do some stuff for the Toffee Blues. I did a piece based on the transfer market and I suggested four or five names of players I thought we could go for and both of them actually went in this window one of them was Jared Bowen uh, it just seems to me that we're crying out for a right winger who's left footed like I said before the way Ancelotti wants to play and okay he might not be the finished article but I think he was worth it, worth taking a chance on didn't think he'd quite go 20 million maybe thought 10-15 but thought we could have gone for him another one was Bruno I think he's a Gamerez Bruno Gamerez who's ended up at Leon. Brazilian midfielder, he was the kind of midfielder I could see fitting in well with us. So I think it was a bit of an opportunity missed with not a lot of business doing, but obviously I can't blame the club if they're trying to stay within the rules of financial fair play because if you don't do that, we're on a hide to nothing then, aren't we? And Angelotti, like Tom says, clearly wants to assess what he's got. You know, we're not in the Cups now, unfortunately. We're going to have, you know, games coming up where, or sorry, periods coming up in between games where he can work with the players and hopefully, you know, instill his tactical now and just on the club so that's obviously probably another reason isn't it and Gomez I think I think Gomez being the notifications coming to know that Gomez was going to be coming back a lot earlier than plans really changes thinking because I was concerned when we were linked like you say Tom with like Ficino because I just thought that's just another Morgan Snyder and if we give him a four year deal we're back to square one you know I think Andre Gomez being more readily available it's maybe not forces, and I think we might have panicked and tried to get a centre mid in. Or I know we were linked with that Everton, Everton for Everton, the right winger. Uh, well, he's left winger. Everton think. Suarez. Yeah. Everton Suarez. Suarez yeah, Everton I just like call him Everton because it's like you know Everton score for Everton. But that would be good actually. That, I thought that would have been a good shout, you know, because yeah. it's strange to me that no one from Europe stuck a chance on him. A bit like the fellow Lucy then Gomez, who's now gone to Leon. I can't believe no one sort of stuck a chance on him, and for the money they were talking, what twenty million with the twenty five million. 
Well, that one could have been a bit of an opportunity, but again, it depends how much money we actually had to spend, doesn't it? He had a massive Copa America last year, didn't he? I think he was player of the tournament he or was. something. Um, and he, 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 Why did nobody buy him, exactly, though? Exactly, I thought they would. He kinda, I think probably people have been watching him this season to kind of see him. Um, they don't want to buy a player on the back of one tournament to kind of uh, scout him on a longer term basis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's been a few of them, but... Um, yeah, I think some longer-term scout needs to go into that. I'm not sure. There were rumours of his agent possibly pushing that through. Everton Suarez thinking, obviously, be a massive marketing deal. Um, Everton to Everton, everything like that. Um, so there were rumours of it, the fact that it was his agent trying to push that one through, whether the, um, the rumours were complete or not. But on the back of that tournament, which is the only time I've seen him, he would be worth a, a, a punt. Do you not think that if we like when Ian alludes to then like it being sort of an opportunity rather than a necessity do you not think that in the summer he'll just have loads more suitors do you not think by going in for him in January if we did want him if we do want him that is going in for him in January is the opportunity to get him because I think when you come to the summer a lot of other teams will be looking at a lot of different positions a lot of clubs will have different managers as well so there'll be a lot of teams who might have a look at him and then there's a bit more come just seemed to me as though he wasn't cheap, but for 25 million for a 23-year-old Brazilian international, I don't know, that could have been worth a little bit of a risk, even if we'd have bought him and then sent him back to Gremio for the rest of the season, which I believe the Everton fan service has tweeted quite badly. But um <laughs> don't know, go, go into that. But we could have done something like that because then FFP wouldn't have mattered because if we'd loaned him straight back, they'd have been covering his wages so it would have counted as a signing for next summer. Just don't, just something to think about whether or not we might see him you know, ripping it off for Man United next season. <laughs> okay, well, we'll finish off here, but moving forward, Crystal Palace um, on Saturday, we will be, we will be discussing um, the Palace game in a couple of the Royal Blue pod, podcasts coming up, but Tom, just give us a quick prediction for the Palace game. Um, Cheng Tosin's going to score. No, I think he's injured. He's he's injured yeah. James McCarthy then. Um, <laughs> 2 1 Everton. 2 1 Everton. You know what I do, Ian? I always predict that we're going to get beat because when I do, we win. So we're going to get beat 2-1. <laughs> That's why. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go 2-0. I think it'll be hopefully a routine win and we won't concede 2 in the last, <laughs> last two minutes. All right, lads, thanks for coming on. Much appreciated uh, thanks for mate. coming sure. in. It's been a good chat. We've had a good laugh and uh, it's always good to speak about the Blues whenever and win. Uh, certainly after the comeback and a last-minute win, I like that. Tom, thanks for coming in. Thanks, ben, thank Cheers, you for mate. coming in and thank you for listening to The View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.